Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Show Me Potato Salad podcast. This show is brought to you by our good friends over at Clinkstone Brewery. I'm one of your hosts, JJ. With me today, we have Loopy Jr. and Keith. Later on in the show, we have photographer Leo Sharp joining us. As usual, we'll round off the show with our salad dressings of the week. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date with the podcast. Follow, like, share, and subscribe and let us know you're listening. That was fucking smooth as fuck, eh? That was, that was good. Bang, bang, that was bang, bang. That, that was, was good. smooth. <laughs> dush, dush. Good night. Dush, dush. Right. So we are, what are we now? Three, three weeks until we leave for the North Coast 500? Don't put a number on it. Not Something thinking like about that. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to work that out. I just started giving myself a fear. I was like, no, nah, that's not. Yeah, it's starting to kick in big time. Of <laughs> right. Shit. So, so we're, we're now three weeks and we're starting to now, like, we're, we're at the, the precipice of. Ooh, the precipice. Yeah. We're, we're, where we're now, like, settling down on our training. Yeah, we've hit the peak of training and we're now cooling it. Yeah, now we have to think about cooling oh, it. Fuck, we hit the peak smaller, of training. <laughs> few smaller cycles, but the peak was on Sunday. It was a very big peak. This is this we're recording Monday night tonight, and so yesterday we done our first hundred no, miles. No. Well, you guys did. I managed to well, ruin my did. bike on Saturday night. The the guy that's not a bike mechanic decided to be a bike mechanic for the night. <laughs> Although it turned out it wasn't actually me that broke it, which was quite nice to hear. But it was working I was just before you touched you it. Huh? Well, I changed the wheels before you touched it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out it was the free hub that was faulty. But yeah. me, me, and I had nothing to do with that. Me, Callum, and Jordan decided we would get up early on Sunday morning and go and do our first 100 miles. And I'm banned from picking routes from now on. So yeah, because we decided to climb Ben Nevis without climbing Ben Nevis. <laughs> And then, some, and then some and then we, some we heard we were we got ourselves a garmin as well it was a lot of shit it was sending us in the wrong direction i think we were, it was more probably yeah. and then we we're reading signs like cairngorm mountain range two miles away i'm like fuck we're absolutely miles away from home <laughs> that 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 it's... was when i think i got like the fear because <laughs> at that point i'm like we're probably not going to be getting picked up from here because someone <laughs> where we are and go am i fuck traveling that far yeah. that, that I, I still need to get home i still I did that to myself home. the other weekend when i went like banker went up care amount i started like going from bankery to care amount and i was going up all these hills thinking i've made a mistake what am i doing <laughs> I, I need to come back down all this and then get home <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible terrible idea and then if, as you start getting further and further away you're like oh i need to come back all this way. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, we could even not go as if back you're, like, targeting to like, somewhere. No. <clears throat> like, yeah, we see that there. T junction where we turned, and it was like twenty miles to Afford or yeah, we should have taken here in Gorms. I was like, I only ever drive this road if I'm going snowboarding in the middle of winter, <laughs> or if I'm driving home from Inverness and I'm taking the T junction and turning right to go to Afford. I'm like, why the fuck are we out here? <laughs> it's fair to say I think all three of us were in some pretty dark mental places yesterday. That, yeah. That's where like my body was hurting, but purely I think mental is where it ends up playing the biggest part in that. Yeah. 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 But I feel okay today. Which is the I main don't. thing. George <laughs> doesn't. I don't feel okay. Uh, you were in a pretty dark place when I met up with you guys. <laughs> I had, football, had football dark, dinner, yeah. 
I had like oh, seventy yeah, odd minutes of my first football game in preseason. So and you had football today as well. So that helped. And I had football tonight as well. So I'm feeling even better. I think it's the first time I've ever seen you look depressed on ever, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you look yeah. depressed. <laughs> it's that last little bit when we're coming in Southeast Side Road. I was like, You feeling all right, Jordan? No. <laughs> just just was just no. <laughs> Who's where I met up with you guys? And I, in fairness, though, like, see, when I, because I, before all those who listening, I eventually got the bike working and then went out and sort of went out the way the guys were coming in so I could meet them on the way back. Um, and I wasn't expecting you guys to be coming in as fast as you were. What here on the way back in, <laughs> if you were to cut that section of coming back in other than town, I'd have said we were averaging about 17 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, that, that way in from like, uh, fetter care and in south d side like the pace was was good i i just went home at that yeah, point yeah, it was when that you was, got uh, out the saddle at king street and just absolutely caned it up king street to get back it was a doze but i'm like i'm done i'm just getting me home i could see that i could see the light <laughs> could see the light but no I think it's probably open. <laughs> it's opened our eyes that we've got to do that five days in a row. <laughs> I think we're going to manage cycle today. Did I go for a cycle today? Did I fuck? No. <laughs> we'll manage. I know we got half day. We got half now. Correct. One way or another, we're going to have to do it. Whether it's going to take us twelve hours of the day. <laughs> I think it's almost but, worse when you have to turn back. I I said so. I mentioned that as well. I was like. I think the fact that we have an end point, it's not, yeah. we start at one point and we have an end point and that's yeah, that. Rather, new than, rather than feeling like we're having to turn around. Yeah, because I think you get halfway house. and you're like, oh God, I've got to get back through all that to get home. Whereas if you were just to keep going. I yeah, you have the you have the milestones. I think mentally it's it's maybe a bit easier, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. So- <laughs> We've, we've realized the challenge we've got and if there's anyone out there still feels generous the the uh the link's still up in our our bio and remember you can win a you can win a wee meal free meal wee for meal four, meat monsters right? monsters meat monsters it's yeah, a good one too monsters you, can't of the meal. you cannot go wrong with that anyway we'll, we'll move we'll move it along from the cycling chat and we'll go on to the football chat so mm-hmm. scotland Today, so we're in Monday, as we've said. Scotland today took part in their first first game first of the year major. since mm-hmm. for twenty three years. It was the last time we were in a major championship. Like were you not even born? Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, does that make me feel old? That was it. so. Like France ninety eight was probably the first one that I actually remember, remember. as a kid. Yeah. I just remember Can't McDonald's it. had really good um, toys and happy meals for that. <laughs> fat fuck. That was when Le Coq no, like, still I, sponsored football. Yeah, but I remember uh, it was John Collins mm. scoring the first goal against Brazil and all this stuff. And I remember, like, I remember the summer because I went away with my dad camping and we were watching the, the games in the pub and stuff. But you'd always you always kind of thought it's fine. We'll get another one. We'll watch it. We'll watch it in another two years, four years, and all this stuff. Didn't think it would take this long, but mm. no. We first game happened. 
and it went probably exactly how you expect of Scotland. <laughs> to be fair, watch like the first ten minutes. I was like, oh, that's the very short right. period of a football game, Carl. Yeah, I know that. But like the first first ten minutes of it, you were watching, you were like, oh, it looked like they're actually doing not too bad. Plenty of pressure, and then. Just... In fairness, the overall game, we were probably the better team, mm. but the team selection was to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, scrutinised maybe a little bit I don't think he went with our best team especially against a team that we should maybe think about beating should have beaten and have when, you think, twice when you think of the group the you think of the group you think of uh, Croatia, England Czechs are one that you've got to go out and win yeah. So yeah. I think, but the thing is as well like it's been 23 years just fucking go for it Exactly. What, what, have, what have we got to lose like, just catch what have we actually it, got to lose absolutely throw everything at it <clears throat> yeah we have absolutely nothing to lose. We're, like I would, I think everyone would probably be happier just saying, "Look, we we went for it. It's been the first time in twenty three years. We had fun with it." Yeah, yeah. Have I mean, I it looks it. like they're having fun with it. In fairness, like yeah, the, like, the, the profile photos and stuff. Like yeah, that they're the fucking brilliant. You saw them like side by side yeah. with the Czech guys, and it was someone who posted like uh, average Joe's versus global gym or something. <laughs> yeah. like that. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Somebody's gone like that and like done this. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> done like the Batman sort of like flipped his hands upside down, and, like held them over his eyes. I don't know who it is. It's John McGinn that does it. Is he's it? Is, I just think they're all brilliant. They like they put them against the England ones as well because obviously we're playing England on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like oh, the English guys are all standing there like dead serious, like look, we're we're pro footballers, and then Scotland <laughs> just look like pure amateur Sunday league just, teams. Just look like <laughs> just they're just loving the fuck. fact they're there. And do you know what? I absolutely love that about it as well, though. Like I think that's that's where it's good. And you know, if they do put in a couple of good performances, then all the better for it. It's just typical Scottish power, though, isn't it? It is. We're here and we don't give a fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we're just here to have fun. Yeah. That's what look, that's what Jet genuinely looks like, like like you say, Keith. It looks like they're just like, We're here, let's fucking enjoy it. Yeah. And it's it's not as if they played badly. No, you know they, I mean they didn't. not as if they're like, Oh, we're having fun and then they're they're like not playing well on the pitch, you know what I mean? There was a uh Robertson chance in the first half. I think he for a guy like him should have and probably he would say probably should have done better. And I think if that goes in, it's a different game. Mm-hmm. They hit but, a crossbar. There was another, yeah, one on there was another of the kind of close-ish one. Um, well, I think it was about 17, 18 minutes in. And I think someone put a cross across. Someone got a foot on it and it just missed wide. Uh, yeah, like, just not missed. by much, though. Yeah, Ro- Robertson put it in for Landon Dykes and he got a, got a touch to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, if, we d- if we had a bit better finishing and in fairness to the Czech Republic they put their bodies on the line. Like, there was mm-hmm. a few where they were blocking everything. We we done just about everything right for the most part. And then mm-hmm. like checks would put their body on the line or like you said they would hit the bar or just wasn't it just wasn't our day in fairness. Yeah. It just wasn't our day. There was a, they could have kept going for another 90 minutes and probably wouldn't score. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those games. But here's hoping we've got we've got England on Friday. The only thing that could have made that sweeter was if it was at Hamden. But what would be even better is if we beat if them we at Wembley. Them Wembley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even better. That would be even better. I'm looking forward oh. to it. I think we'll get a result, if I'm honest. I'm looking forward to getting pissed. 
<laughs> I'd absolutely love for us to beat them. It'd be so nice. Love it if we beat them. Love, love it. it. Fucking love, love it. it. Absolutely love it. None but of this no, 2-1 shit, 90th it. minute, 2-2. Two, two. I'm thinking, yeah. I think we'll get a result. The, the, the pressure's on England, in fairness, so. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure's solely on England, so we can just go out and have some fun. But, yeah. And, anyway, we'll move, we'll move on, I guess, shall we? Hi. Mm-hmm. Hi. This segment is sponsored by Ice Sports Caledonia, the exclusive importers of Fisher Ice Hockey Equipment for the north of Scotland. Check them out on Facebook at Ice Sports Caledonia with a web shop coming soon. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Diving into the salable with us today, we have UK skate photographer Leo Sharp. Welcome to the show, Leo. How are you doing? Right, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm just chavin away as usual. <laughs> so, so Leo, we can see from like 99% of your Instagram and your social media that skate photography, it's mainly skate photography, but is this where photography kind of began for yourself? Yeah, pretty much. I had a camera when I was like seven or eight years old, um, but I didn't really do much with it um, until I started skating when I was like 10. Okay. Uh, and then I was probably skating for a couple of years until maybe the age of like yeah 11 or 12 and i just had a point and shoot camera and used to just take it out and take pictures of my friends um but we kind of all took pictures of each other to begin with really Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was just it was more that we would um the early kind of skate magazines that we'd look at like rad magazine and skateboard magazine we wanted to kind of emulate the pictures that were in there i suppose Mm -hmm. so we'd uh We'd buy a roll of film between us, like a roll of 24 exposure Kodak film. And because uh, we all chipped in for it, there was four of us. We got six pictures each on there. And okay. that wasn't like pictures that we would, that we would like, um, that we would take ourselves. It was six pictures of ourselves because we wanted to see what we looked like skating. Mm-hmm. So it was more, I guess it was more of a kind of like, I don't know, narcissistic thing, if you want to put it that way. We wanted to see, see what we ourselves look like skating. I think after doing that a few times, I was kind of like, look, guys, I'll, I'll take the pictures and uh, you do the skating. So, yeah, it worked out like that. Awesome. Was it was it ever like a point where you wanted to keep the skating up or was it did you just get kind of hooked on the photography side of things? I mean, I, I always carried on skating, you know, it's um, it's something I've always done. I've always enjoyed actually skating as well. But just but just more, I think I just if there was something good going on, like, you know, someone was doing a good trick or, you know, just, it was one of my friends that had kind of learned something new. Just, I just enjoyed kind of documenting that, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, because I grew up in um, a place called Milton Keynes, it was, um, there were lots of really good places to skate. And if, if someone hadn't kind of ollied a particular set of stairs or like 50, 50, a particular ledge or whatever it was, it was kind of like, do you know what I mean? If someone's going to do that, I want to take a picture of it. So it was, it was, it was documenting the scene, really. I suppose in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. awesome. So when we were doing our research about you, Leo, uh, for the show, um, we went on your website and it says you've been doing photography for over two decades. Do you feel the industry's evolved a lot since you started? Um, geez, that, I think I that blurb on the website was written a while ago. I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's completely changed. And it's, and it's, and you kind of, I think it's difficult. You have to stop yourself sometimes going, oh, I was better when I was doing it in the good old days because you know, <laughs> it's, 
it's, it's, it's skating is constantly evolving, constantly changing. In the good old days, for the for whoever's you know in their kind of teens or twenties now who are kind of skating every day, the good old days for them is now. So you have to remember that. But yeah. I think yeah. um, I think tricks have evolved. I think I think skateboarding has become a little bit cyclic, kind of like fashion, really, because in the early nineties everyone was wearing huge baggy jeans, and then the jeans kind of went smaller and you know tighter, and they've kind of got huge and baggy again. You know, it's. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and the same with kind of t-shirts and it's, 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 it's insane how, how you kind of, how that's kind of come in a 20 year cycle. Mm. Um, and some of the tricks that you kind of like no complies and wallies and things like that, that people would say, we would call it like a dork trick. Like you kind of just dorking around, like playing around. Um, people kind of have taken those tricks and are doing them, you know, and, and are doing them on a different scale now that, you know, that, and, and you kind of, you, you see those tricks in magazines, whereas you wouldn't have seen them in magazines maybe in the kind of late nineties or mid two thousands, because they weren't considered to be sort of magazine worthy, but you, you would see people doing big rails or big stairs, but you, and you kind of get a bit of that now, but you get kind of other tricks that, um, yeah, that, that are kind of like more, I guess, more cool to do now, I suppose. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go get myself a set of baggy trousers again. We're coming back into fashion is definitely happening. <laughs> that, but, I, but, but I guess I guess that's one of the things, isn't it? It's like it's there back in the early nineties. There was like kind of one sort of tramline or one fashion in skating. You know, everyone wore huge t-shirts, huge jeans. Everyone had really small wheels. Everyone had like really like low trucks. Um, you know, and everyone did like triple flips and things like that. That mm -hmm. was just what you did when you were skating. Um, whereas now there are kind of I don't know like you know 10 or 20 different kind of skate fashions really you know there are people that are stuck in the 90s that still wear maybe big <laughs> shoes do you know what i mean whereas like but they they'll probably wear baggy jeans whereas like you know people like i guess now you've got like you've got the huge jeans but you've also got like the surf pant whereas you know that with the elasticated waist and yeah they cut the bottom before their right ankle swingers they don't like bag up at the bottom of your leg and onto your shoes or something like that so you know, it's, it, there isn't just one tram line now. And, and, mm -hmm. and I, do you know what? One of the good things is that there are so many more girls skating now as well. Like definitely when I first started skating, there were hardly any girls. If you saw a girl skating and she was actually skating, skating good, it was like, holy shit, look at that. Whereas now, you know, I'll go to the local skate park and there'll be, you know, loads in there and they're all shredding, you know, they're all going for it, which is amazing to see. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of continues like that. Awesome. Do you almost, feel... I almost... Oh, sorry, sorry, John, you... sorry that's, my, that's my fault. But no, do you, do you almost feel... Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> my fault. <laughs> but do you almost feel that the, the fashion side of things maybe helped in some element? So I feel like nowadays, like you see you see people that don't even skate or, or walking well, around in like thrasher, like thrasher hoodies and all this stuff. And don't get me wrong, I was never like a skateboarder myself, but I always kind of got drawn to that side of it mm, yeah absolutely i mean it's like the thrasher thing is yeah um you know i think it was like a, it was rihanna rihanna wasn't it like the herb stylist or whatever got a wearing a thrasher t-shirt on stage a number of years ago now somewhere and that kind of kicked off the kind of thrasher fashion thing but you know thrasher have sold loads of tees and hoodies off the back of that and, and mm -hmm. they're definitely people that wearing them that have got no idea that it's a skateboard <laughs> magazine or that it's yeah. a um, but that's that's enabled Thrasher to carry on making its print magazine, whereas maybe if it didn't have the extra income stream, it, it wouldn't be producing a print mag the same as Transworld isn't producing a print mag anymore, you know? So yeah. um, it's, definitely, it's definitely done it good. It's definitely helped sell more skateboards. 
you know, the people that have kind of become aware that they're like, oh, it's actually a skate t-shirt. Right, I'm going to get myself a skate t-shirt. <laughs> Hopefully people have started off the back of that as well. So yeah. you, know, yeah. you, can't, you can't say that it's, um, it's a bad thing, really. I also feel like with technology evolving quite a lot since you got into the industry, it's easier now than ever for folk to be aware of that sort of stuff as well. As in what you mean with cameras? Or? With cameras and just anything in general, just social media as well for advertising, yeah, skateboarding I mean, and people like that. With, I mean, as, as far as cameras go, um, I, when I started, there was only, the, you know, digital cameras didn't exist. It was just, you just shot on film. But, mm. um, but with the evolution of digital cameras, especially for things like sequences, um, for putting in the magazine, you know, we'd pre-digital, we'd go through 10 or 20 rolls of film for someone to land a trick for a sequence and maybe sometimes it wouldn't even land it you know so you're kind of just burning all through all this film but <laughs> i think it was probably 2002 2003 when the first uh, digital camera became available like that you could shoot sequences with and so the first uh, digital camera that i had like the first decent one was the canon 1d and believe it or not it was four megapixel um <laughs> that's published by today's standards but actually for a four megapixel <clears throat> image shot with a really good lens is actually okay. And you could blow it up to kind of like quarter or half a page and it wouldn't lose any, you know, you wouldn't lose resolution. Mm -hmm. So it was fine for stuff that was at the, each frame was only going to be like this big on the page. So, um, and that meant that we could, you know, you could just shoot a trick until you got kicked out or it rained or the skate was over it or he landed it. So, you know, you're always going to get it, but then it actually made skate photography a bit more like filming video, if you see what I mean, because you just kind of, literally just documented yeah, yeah. a trick mm -hmm. and it took a little bit of the art out of it which is kind of a backlash I guess in the last few years against sequences because you don't really see them as much anymore in skate mags it's more about kind of you know creating like a more like beautiful like artistic still which is good but I, I don't know I, I think some tricks need to, need to they deserve a sequence because they need to be explained because they're yeah. sort of more technical than just having a still if you see what I mean and you get um, yeah. these kind of photos now that aren't necessarily sequenced, but they've got those that they're still, but they might have two or three um, images of the skater in, in the one frame just to explain what's happening, if you see what I mean. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that, and I guess that's the way that, like, you know, te technology has allowed skate photography to evolve, if you see what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Within, within the skate world, is there anybody that you'd love to work with, um, photography wise or skateboarder wise? and why um wow or if you've already worked with them um i mean i guess people that i haven't worked with um that i've always wanted to shoot is um one of my favorite skaters growing up was um a skater called ray barbie um okay. and he was in one and in the early pal pal Peralta videos there's one called public domain um and there's a particular section in there with ray barbie in it and like three other skaters that i used to watch just on repeat um on, on vhs tape <laughs> and that VHS tape somewhere now I've probably still got it somewhere but I just watched it that many times that the tape's just worn away but he's um, <laughs> his style and his trick selection and just he just looked happy skating as well I'd, I'd love to shoot photos of him but I never had the chance so yeah. there's one there's one awesome yeah so obviously with with you shooting you've probably gotten the chance to shoot in some amazing places which is kind of some of the best places you've been able to go and shoot um God, I've been, I've been, I've been some, I've been really lucky. I've, I've managed to go to some good places, but um, I guess one of the most interesting places was Cuba. We went there on a van trip in 2009, um, and we stayed in, um, we stayed in Havana, like the capital there, 
but we didn't stay in a hotel. We, we basically, uh, Nick Powley, who was the team manager at the time, he managed to, um, I think there were probably like 10 of us that went, including myself and, and Powley. Um, and we stayed in a, a family's apartment. Um, and when I, say, like, when I say like a family, like it was a big family, it was probably like eight or nine of them. And it turned out that we basically took over their apartment and they were still living in it, but they moved <laughs> one room. Uh, and they and they cooked us all our meals while we were there and, and we kind of like took over all of the other rooms which was a kind of a I guess it was a, a bit of a sort of bizarre thing but like I guess what they were like making out of us staying there for the week was kind of was going to cover their living costs for for god knows how long you know and it was actually Jesus. amazing to be staying in this apartment rather than one of the big hotels because we got to see more of the culture and more of what was happening around us in the streets yeah. And actually that trip as well, we, um, we got to meet um, kind of, I don't know, a, a couple of the guys that were like, that were sort of making things happen in Havana in terms of the, in terms of the skate scene there. We got to meet a lot of the kids that were skating there. <clears throat> they couldn't, <clears throat> I don't know if it's different now, but they, um, they couldn't get um, any, any new skate gear at all at the time. There was nothing like that coming into Cuba because of okay. its, you know, it's kind of trade embargoes there. Mm -hmm. um, and the only skate stuff that they had was brought to them by visiting teams. So actually, like Pauli said before we went, let's take as much old wheels and trucks and boards and, you know, anything that we can just to give to the local kids. And yeah. I'm not kidding you, I've never seen skateboards as, as bad and as smashed up in my life as I have there. Like there were kids that had had snapped boards and they'd got a couple of bits of metal and a couple of bolts and then bolted them back together again. <laughs> Jesus. So, you know, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing scene to see. And, and they were just as happy skating those as anyone over here would be happy enough skating a new board. But because they're not used to having new equipment, they just sort of get on with it. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a real, a real eye-opener seeing that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so so how, did, how does that all kind of come about for you to end up in Cuba? If it... Like at least in my eyes, it doesn't seem a very uh, skateboarding <laughs> country. How does all that like come about that that's where you kind of end up? I think um, I mean like back back then, I think that I think that we um, we obviously were lucky to go to somewhere like that. But it was more like it was. I say the team manager was Nick Powley at the time, and it was somewhere that I guess hadn't been explored before on a skate trip, or at least not. Okay. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have like bands kind of have maybe bigger budgets to send it to the UK team abroad than they do now. So, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it was something that had been planned for a few years and it was more, I think I'm, I can't remember that maybe the premise of it was to get a magazine article, obviously, but also perhaps vans were doing some kind of charity thing, maybe to take the boards over to give to the, to the local skaters as well. Maybe that I, can't, I actually can't remember, but maybe that was something to do with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was, so it was more kind of a, like a like a brand involvement thing and a charity involvement thing as it were um as rather okay, than cool. hey, let's go to cuba and shoot some photos and film a video part do you know what i mean yeah 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 cool that's cool so the, this the next question for you is actually came from a friend of the show um quite a close friend to myself daniel christie who's a, a photographer as well as a skateboarder and he's kind of asked um have you ever been so focused on getting a shot um of a trick or a sequence that you've came off on the worst side, if if, if the borders fell off mid trick or anything, <laughs> as in as in getting hit by the board, do you mean? Yeah, like getting hit by the board, or if the skaters fell in here or anything, or damaged any equipment. Uh, well, I've, I've I've been hit by flying skateboards a few times in various, <laughs> um, and I've had like you know flashes on flash downs, been knocked over loads of times, and 
I've had my like um, I don't know if you guys know what a fisheye lens is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so like I've had my lens hit by flying boards a few times, and it's I've never actually hit on the glass, but like usually hits the filter on the side, and it kind yeah, of yeah. bends it. And you again with pliers, but yeah, I've been I've hit I had my camera hit, and then it's like hit me in the face afterwards, and like got cuts above my eyes and stuff, and I mean you know all sorts of things have happened. This just. I don't know it's just perks of the job i suppose isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when that's happening is it like a, a last second realization of like oh i'm getting the shot oh there's a board and it's like <laughs> in the face yeah i mean it, you, i mean you you know most of the time you kind of figure out which direction they're going to be going in yeah, and yeah. If, if you need to get close you know these days with um i mean that's one of the i guess that's part of the technology question with with mirrorless cameras now you can you know, you can see with a live view on the back, you can kind of hold the camera away from you like this. Yeah. And see what you're getting in the frame rather than having to do this. Yeah. And then you know, if something goes wrong, you're kind of, you're in the firing line, as it were. So, yeah. it's yeah. And it's I, I guess um, your, your lights get hit more than you do most of the time. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean, it's like, because, you know, that those are going to be closer to the trick. A lot of the time, if you're shooting with a longer lens and you're sitting far away, you're not going to get hit, but yeah. usually your flash hands are going to get hit, so. It's just cool. one of those things. Awesome. So we've seen that you've uh, started up a new skateboarder magazine called The Skateboarder's Companion. What led to you starting up that and what was it all about? Just going to plug it while you... Plug <laughs> <Long> away. <laughs> <Long> away. <laughs> so that, I mean, that was a that was a lockdown project, really. Um, since uh, Sidewalk Magazine uh, kind of finally went the journey in 2018, I mean, it had been out of print since 2015, but it had been online for three years. But since it, like, actually finally finished, um, myself and uh, Ryan Gray, who's the editor of Skateboarders Companion, have been talking about doing another UK skate magazine in print. Um, and we, used to, we used to kind of chat on the phone and have lists and say, oh, we'd do this, we'd do that. But <clears throat> we just didn't have the money to start it, basically. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to front the money to print the first issue and put the stickers in and put the posters in and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so... Um, my friend Matt Law, who is is the, is the third partner in um, Skateboarders Companion, he um, I hadn't seen him for years actually, and he's always distributed uh, a brand called Azira Shoes. Have you heard of them? He used to do surf mm-hmm. shoes as well mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Um, but he um, got into wedding photography, unbeknownst to me, and I was kind of shooting a few weddings to just to sort of make ends meet over the last few years. And uh, I saw that he was doing it as well on Instagram. And I was like, he's got an Instagram called Matt Law Creating Diamonds, and I was like. Jesus, is that the same Matt Law that, that I know from years ago? So I, I hit him up, and surely it was, and we'd shot a few weddings together. And it got to um, when we first went into lockdown, March last year or April last year, whenever we had that really nice spell of weather. And I was sat out in the backyard, just kind of not really doing anything. And he rings me up and we're chatting about wedding. He said, oh, have you ever thought about starting a skate magazine? And of course he didn't know I'd um, had these conversations with, with Ryan at all. So I said, hold the phone rang up Ryan, said, I think we've got a, a third partner here because I, I knew that like Matt had a little bit of money to put into the first issue of Escape Mag. So yeah, the rest is history. We kind of planned it from there. And um, yeah, the first issue came out at the end of January this year. So awesome. there you go. Awesome. So we previously had my cousin Ben Layden on and um, Lee Dayton on the podcast yep. well, it was a few, few episodes ago now. 
have you ever had the the pleasure of working with these guys and how did how did all that go because because we know what they can be like <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i know those guys pretty well i just saw uh i just saw ben a couple of days ago actually i was just up in scotland um oh we only got back on tuesday i was up there friday till tuesday Got my uh, focus t-shirt on from Edinburgh there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've known Ben for donkey's years, man. I used to stay at his flat um, for the, the old Libby fun days, like back in the late 90s and sort of 2000s. Um, you know, when he, he used to like skate Livingston Skate Park every day and he was kind mm. of, you know, he was, he was the best. He could, he literally could like roll into the half pipe with his eyes closed and, you know, still like, probably like. It probably did. You know, Ben's one of those people that kind of like life throws him in the shit and he still seems to come out smelling the roses every time. <laughs> <laughs> he's just one of those guys. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice guy and he cares about his friends. And um, uh, yeah, and he's, he's, he, he just, you know, he, he just gives a shit about skateboarding. And he kind of always has. So yeah, it's uh, he's just one of those guys. Lee Danen, obviously, kind of you know, it, people know him through Dirty Sanchez and stuff like that. But he um, he used to travel and come and skate in Milton Keynes like years and years and years ago. Like I'm talking back in sort of the early '90s. And he used to come skating up in Milton Keynes with um, Matt Pritchard, who's yeah. obviously another one yeah. of the Dirty Sanchez crew. But yeah, they I've, I've known them like through skating since since way before they did any of the Sanchez stuff. And um, like Matt Pritchard is before his time he's like an incredible skateboarder in the early 90s but like and, and could do things that like you know all of the guys in america could do but like no one really knew about him because there wasn't really any sort of british skate media to, to show those guys what was happening over over in the uk yeah yeah but yeah awesome. he um he, he, I, I think he, he chose the he chose the uh, drugs and booze route before <laughs> 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 So when I was reading your blurb on your website, it says that you're now getting to teach what you've learned over at uh, Falmouth University. Is this still is this still the Absolutely. case? With like I said, that's pretty old. Now. So I, I did I did teach photography at Falmouth from um I was from 2013 to 2018. So I did a five year stint over there. Okay. Unfortunately, I made redundant towards the end of 2018. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I started kind of um you know shooting more like wedding stuff and actually worked for um a skate distribution uh, place called Rock Solid. And okay. we, uh, we do like a lot of different hardware brands and clothing brands to, to skate stores. So do that too. And obviously do the magazine now as well. So got enough mm. to keep me busy at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> when you were doing the university uh, stuff, did that feel a bit rewarding being able to teach other folk what you've learned over the course of your career? Absolutely, man. It was, yeah, it was really cool to do it. And it's, I guess teaching was one of something I'd never really considered, but um a job came up on the same course that my other half was working on um and it was uh, it was actually a degree in fashion photography and i just thought okay. what do i know about fashion you know thinking <laughs> that like as soon as you say the word fashion you just think of high-end fashion and like you know kind of gucci handbags and kind of um you know whatever like little black dresses and stuff like that but actually working in skating for over 30 years like we were just talking about before like the kind of like the fashion side of it like the subculture of skating has always been you know, all about kind of the clothes that people are wearing as much as the kind of skating itself. Mm -hmm. So it was actually, you know, it was actually kind of an eye opener for me to kind of to sort of teach students about what I knew about the fashion side of things. I didn't actually thought I knew about it, if you know what I mean, until the time. So it wasn't just teaching how to use a camera. It was like teaching them how to use a camera and, you know, and kind of show off like whatever particular clothes they were shooting or accessories they were shooting at the, at the same time. So, yeah, it was 
it was it was as much a kind of learning experience for me in the beginning as it was for the students themselves but <laughs> um, but yeah I, I, I may come back to teaching again at some point I don't know but at the minute I'm just enjoying actually um, shooting as many photos as I can as as possible at the moment awesome yeah you're saying as well there you're kind of getting involved with weddings as well now like what's the difference between like obviously there's a massive difference between skateboarding and and, and weddings but like photography wise it's, it, 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 it's it's a good question and um there's a friend of mine actually that you should put, put on the podcast um who is uh, a skate photographer and wedding photographer and he's from um, donegal in uh, ireland oh yeah um, he came to wedding photography before i did and he always kind of used to shoot skating as well and actually that the i guess the methodology that you use for skating you know can be similar to weddings in that mm-hmm. if you're going to go and shoot a photo on the street a lot of the time you're going to be somewhere where you're not supposed to be where you're probably going to get kicked out uh it might start raining in a minute um the skater might hurt themselves i guess the couple aren't going to slip over and hurt themselves but you know <laughs> what i'm trying to say is you've not got much time you've not got much time to get your shot a lot of the time mm-hmm. you know you've got to be yeah. there You've got the guys got to do the trick and you've got to get out before something happens mm-hmm. whereas like with weddings like you don't want to take the couple away from their from their friends and family for long so so you might only have like 20 minutes to take them over to the the local field near the wedding venue or the gardens or like wherever it is that you're going to go and get them smooching and kind of holding hands and you know <laughs> dancing around or whatever but you've got to do it quick and you've got to get the shots quick bang bang yeah. bang so you know you've got You've got a methodology for shooting skating. You know, maybe I'm not going to use a fisheye lens for weddings, although <laughs> he does. He does do that, and it and it looks cool. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 different technically, I suppose, but kind of the same in terms of like the time that you've got and the pressure that you're under to do it. Yeah. yeah. Once you few times, you kind of create a like say a methodology of doing it, and you kind of you know the particular things that you're going to have to do each time, so you kind of just get used to doing it. And it's um shooting weddings, especially now with digital cameras. Uh, not film at least you know you're getting the shots yeah, yeah. Like, so with mirror cameras you can set it to give you a little preview each time you take a picture so you know you've got the right exposure you know you know you've actually got an image that's going onto the card so it's like puts your mind at rest rather than just like i'm shooting this on film i've got no fucking idea <laughs> <laughs> which you know is it i always used to say to the students like, shooting on film is great because you can't see the image and you've got to really like understand like the exposure and what's in the frame and you know each each frame is going to cost you a bunch of money these days because film cost is more expensive, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least when you're out there shooting, you know you get an image with a digital camera. Whereas film, yeah. it's like, no, I've got no idea. But yeah. it's exciting when you take the film to the lab. It's like, am I actually going to get something on there? You know. What I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, you touched on it right at the start as well. Obviously, you had the camera back when you were younger and out skating with friends. Um, when that first shot of yours got featured in a magazine, how did that feel for you? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was kind of, um, it wasn't something that we'd necessarily planned on happening. We just like, uh, the, the editor of rad magazine at the time in 1991, uh, was a guy called Tim Layton Boyce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you, there's a podcast called we look sideways and he's, okay. um, he's yeah. actually, Tim Layton Boyce actually got a, a, a podcast that was recorded on there two three years ago is re- really worth listening to um and he yes yeah, so, so so we'd seen tim at like various events they actually did a, a competition at the bus station in milton Keynes where we used to go skating all the time um and we'd seen him at kind of like various um competitions and, and demos and stuff around the country 
So I kind of knew him a little bit to sort of say hello to and always been fascinated by the kind of camera setup that he had and how he used it and all this stuff. So we, yeah, like I say, we sort of took photos of each other and we got enough photos of us skating in Milton Keynes to send into Rad Magazine and said, oh, you know, here, here's some photos of our scene. Would you come and document our scene? Thinking that you might come up from London up on the train and take photos of us in Milton Keynes. As it turned out that the photos that we sent in, he actually put them as a three-page article in oh, Rad Magazine without us knowing he was going to do it you see so um so yeah it was it was yeah to actually see that in the mag and like like holy shit those are my pictures in there <laughs> and i guess that you know it's a good feeling but it also kind of spurs you on to kind of to do more and you know yeah. to document more scenes which is one of the things i've always been interested in it's like obviously taking pictures of great skateboarders but also trying to like document the other scenes that exist around the uk that don't necessarily get a look in elsewhere if you see what mm -hmm. i mean yeah 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 so you've you've kind of touched on a few already, but who are kind of some of the photographers you've kind of taken inspiration from and kind of look up to? Oof. Wow, there's loads. I mean, I guess um, my kind of main inspiration, a main sort of mentor, really, um, is a guy called uh, Wig Warland, and he he he'd be a good one to interview as well if you can if you can get him to do one. <laughs> um, but he, but he was he was shooting photos around Milton Keynes before I even picked up a camera, and he was doing it really well. And he um he used to shoot photos of bands and stuff as well, I think. But he kind of he sort of, and he, he hates me saying this, but like I call him like the grandfather of British skate photography. <laughs> In all seriousness, like the techniques that he developed with, with flash photography, with shooting transparency film, so not just a film that gives you negatives, but gives you like positives that you see on those little slides. Mm -hmm. To yeah. get the to get the exposure correct for that, you've got to, you've got to get you've got to get it like on the nail because then you, when you've scanned it in, you can't make it lighter or darker like you can a raw file. It just is what it is. So so that was what we were kind of working with at the time, and um, and he like kind of developed a way of yeah, like I say, shooting slide film and shooting it with flash and and getting it so it was like really sharp and crisp. And when I saw his pictures, I was just like, I want to do that. I want to make it look like that. So, you know, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and, and told me everything that he knew. And um, yeah, without that, I don't think I would have sort of be anywhere, really. Yeah. Can I touch on that a little bit there? I'm oh, sorry, Jordan, you popped your hand up. I'll let you go before I ask the next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, yeah, you kind of, for me, you were kind of touching on like film and digital. Do you ever find yourself going back to do some like film stuff to even yeah. just to keep yourself on top of things and I mean, whatnot like, just... like, like i say it's like it's almost like if you not that i don't shoot film for more important things but like if i'm kind of shooting stuff that's maybe a bit more fun then i'll definitely shoot some film with it i've still got all the old film cameras i used to use there's um, a medium format film camera called a hasselblad and that's what kind of we used to use in sort of late 90s up to mid 2000s before digital cameras I mean, before they were kind of good enough to shoot good stills, mm -hmm. uh, we used mm -hmm. to use those because they're. Um... I'm gonna go and get it actually. Two seconds. No problem. <laughs> oh, that's a bad. Oh, that's a bad boy. And to explain it, like you know what um, a 35 millimeter camera looks like and yeah. the size of the frame. So that's the size of the frame for Hasselblad. It's like six centimeters by six centimeters. That's a big one. And boy. that film goes in that bit, and then that's the lens and the body of the camera. Yeah, cool. That bit. And you've probably, you've probably seen them before where you kind of look down into the camera onto the yeah. focusing screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the focusing screen, but this thing is a prism. So it's basically just oh, like okay. a 35 mm camera where it turns everything the right way around. Yeah. Whereas if you have a waist level finder on it, everything is back to front. So oh, that's okay. when you look yeah. down. So 
so yeah we used to use those things or i still use this thing sometimes to shoot film but obviously not as much as before um i'm trying to think if there's any photos in this i think there is a couple of photos in this issue that i did shoot on it so it gives you square than me so let's say you wouldn't really um I remember digital. No, I remember, uh, I remember this like that, but that's that's older that, than me. That picture there is shot on the Hasselblad. That's shot on um, Kodak. Oh, I've seen that on your on your Instagram. It's like an awesome shot. Yes. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it's it's just it's just good to have loads of different cameras at your disposal to you know just to I guess just to sort of have fun with and keep you interested. But yeah. sometimes the square format will lend itself to a particular shot more than the like the rectangular 35 millimeter frame, I suppose. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Wicked. Awesome. So did you kind of like find your own kind of style of photography quite early on, uh, early on in your career? Or has it always kind of just been an adapting role as you've gone on through life? Um, I mean, I guess so. I've never even like, I've never sort of thought about having a style as such, but I've just yeah, yeah. tried to em emulate other photographers' photos that I saw in magazines, I suppose. Um, I guess I was talking about wig before, but then um, like um, other photographers that I admire that I've kind of seen in America magazines, uh, there's a guy called Brian Gaberman, who um, he uh, definitely back in the day, he used to do a lot of like film photography and a lot of darkroom work. So his black and white um, images that were kind of manipulated in the darkroom were incredible. Um, a guy called Atiba Jefferson, who was the kind of sort of the new guy at Transworld Skateboarding um, in, I guess, when I was starting to take a lot of photos in the late 90s and early 2000s. And his his photography at the time was, he was amazing. She was very experimental with like color darkroom processes and black and white and kind of like color toning stuff as well. Um, I guess there's a guy called Spike Johns. He's more known for being a um, a, a film director now. He's, he's uh, okay. he did yeah. uh, uh, I guess you guys will know where the wild things are. I did a, a film called Her, which is really cool. Um, he, he did a lot of the, like the girl skateboards films as well, like Yeah, Right and, uh, and stuff like that, you know, which is, you know, he's kind of basically famous for being a director, but his early, um, his early skate photography is amazing as well. So you should kind of look at that as, yeah. He used to do um, multiple exposures, um, which you always just try and emulate where you had the camera on a tripod at night and you just open the shutter. So you do a long exposure and then flash the flash a bunch of times. So you get multiple strobe images of the skater going stuff, yeah. So yeah, it's just, just stuff like that. I, I think it was, I guess it's more kind of, what was exciting was to kind of like try and reproduce the kind of technical side of things, but also, you know, make the skating look kind of artistic at the same time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So be before we round, round us or round it all up, is there anything on your kind of photography skateboarding bucket list that you're still waiting to kind of tick off? I guess, um, I don't know. I, I guess just, just to travel as much as I can really. And, and just, and see new places. I mean, skating has always been about like, like travel and friends and just having fun, but it's like, there's still places I've never been to South America. I've never been to, I guess, Japan. I'd love to go to, um, you know, I'd love to go to some, some uh, African countries as well. I mean, mm -hmm. I've only ever been to South Africa, so I'd love to kind of like travel through Africa and see and see some of the um, the skate parks that are being built by some of these skate charities. I don't know if you know a charity called Skateistan. You know, they're mm -hmm. they're building skate parks in some in some really kind of far off places that where people just have never even like seen or heard of skateboarding before. You know what I mean? So they're really giving uh, they're really empowering people in those countries through that as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, 
I guess that's the main sort of bucketist thing for me is, is just to sort of travel as much as possible and see as much of the world as possible through skating uh, and, yeah. and hopefully shoot photos in those places and hopefully you know open people in the western world's eyes to what's happening in, in skating in those countries because you only ever really see skating in westernized countries so it'd be really interesting to kind of explore the countries where it's not like you were saying mm -hmm. with cuba before how do you end up going yeah. there because it's, yeah. it's not necessarily a skate destination as it were you know yeah 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 that's awesome well leo it's been an absolute pleasure and we can we can't thank you enough for your time and speaking your way through it it's been it's been good fun good insight yeah. into, yeah, into that good insight to photography thank you very much Leo. thank you very much man yeah thanks just, cheers just man just let me coming out and I'll, I'll help share it around on instagram for you well yeah. thank you very awesome. much we'll tag thank away. you man thank you cheers all right well, guys cheers to catch it Huge thanks to Leo for coming on the podcast with us for that episode. Uh, I thought it was a really good episode for getting into photography behind the scenes of skateboarding. What do you boys think? It was quite cool to hear his story because I I didn't know what to like how he would have came up. Like no, in the way of oh, did he just no? Did he was he a photographer and then just like skateboarding that's skateboard why that uh, or did he or did he skateboard and it was quite interesting to hear him say oh i just skateboarded and started taking picked up a photographs camera picked yeah. up a camera for fun and it, it was funny because type of shit we would have probably done when we were younger no like yeah. if we're down the like no football pitch or whatever and you're taking a photograph of your mate taking a shot yeah. and all this stuff pretty much the exact same thing but he obviously mm -hmm. just had that passion to keep yeah, keep going so from such a young age yeah. as well <clears throat> yeah and you see some of his stuff. Some of his stuff's yeah, top unreal. notch. Like it's so good. And I mean, it's funny. There's a very specific almost style a lot of the time to skateboard. And no, a lot of the time they have the fish eye and yeah, mm. <clears throat> there's heaps of that stuff. And just the way it's all shot, it seems like it has its own genre for talking. So it goes on genre, yeah. and it's they've stuck with it and for it's, so long, and it's and done it's so well. Men quite think of it that way. When you look at some of it, though, it's quite, um, what's the word, architectural. Like, it's as if they're shooting the building and then there's the no skateboarders yeah. there it's and it fits the, in. Yeah, yeah. there's always yeah. Like a subject behind it normally mm. that yeah. you see that kind of brings the, sub, the the actual skateboarder of the photo forward a little bit. Yeah. No, but he was, Leo... He was, yeah, he was good fun and you could, definitely you, could hear, stuff. you could hear his passion and what he does. So it yeah. Was, yeah, it was good. It was good. And that but, camera yeah. that he whipped out was that was an old boy, sexy as fuck. Yeah, we we'll need to try. Was... We we'll need to take a little uh, snippet and put that on the Instagram and Facebook, so everybody yeah, can see a... what he went and got. Yeah, it was a nation. That was a nation. Anyway, boys, you know what time it is? Salad dressing. Starting us off as usual with game of the week, we have Junior. What have you got for us this week? That's me. Uh, that this you. week, I'm going for Alien Isolation, which came out in 2014. Uh, Step was... back from that mic, man. <laughs> I didn't think I was speaking that loud. <laughs> no, just keep going. Okay. Keep going. Uh, We're fine. We're the fine. game is set 15 years after the original Alien movie, which I'm... I'd be surprised if folk haven't seen. You play as Ripley's daughter. It's a first-person survivor horror game. Uh, what's really cool about the game is it's mainly based on stealth and the alien, the xenomorph in the game has two brains so it always knows where you are and it doesn't know where you are so those two game gaming programs in the brain kind of battle against each other so it's always hunting you down 
Oh, Jesus. Mm. So it's That's, the first yeah. thing that anything's ever been done like that in a game. And it's one of the scariest games I've played. It <laughs> makes you make shoot it. yourself <laughs> and, and knowing where you are the whole time. Yeah. Just, oh, no. And it's like small no. corridors that you're on the spaceship constantly. And it's just the Zedomorphs just hunting you down constant. It's it's fantastic. The light and the sound design and everything's really good. I would I would just have a nervous breakdown, I think. <laughs> 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 right. We'll move we'll move on. So movie series of the week is myself and this week i'm going with it's a relatively new uh series and it's called mayor of east town so kate winslet's the main main actress in it and try it's so she's she's in this so it's her name in it is mayor and she lives in east town but she's a detective and it's East Town's kind of like, no, this small area, like small town where everyone Everything knows everyone. Is it in no, the but like everyone knows. It's, it's a town in the East. <laughs> and her name's Mayor. Selling <laughs> 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 it. Nailed it. I'm no. going to watch it tonight. <laughs> so she's a detective in this small town. Everyone knows everyone, but it gets into the family side of things, gets into the story, and then things start to unravel where she's... Uh, She's dealing with her own personal stuff while dealing with her detective side of things. And she's unbelievable in it. Like you almost forget that who she is like as a real person and you just get so drawn in by how she's playing it. And you, what's it? I'm trying to think of the word. What's the word? Captivating. You're so, you're so invested in her and she seems so real. Yeah. I right, so she, yeah. There's also got uh, Evan Peters in it as well, isn't it? Who? Evan Peters from American Horror Story. Oh, I don't need I Evan Peters. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. I've seen it and on uh, Gogglebox. He's pretty good in it as well. He doesn't play a huge like well, Fuck, it's got a huge cast. It's got like Guy Pierce in it as well. Yeah, so Guy Pierce is in it and David Denman, you'll know him from The Office. So it's got a few few familiar faces, and then it's got a few like up and comers sort of thing mm. but no it's like it's a cool wee cool wee series it's it's different but it's it's got good ratings i've just went yeah. and searched it it's like i i heard it through spitting chicklets actually okay so through another podcast yeah. they'd mentioned it and i was like right we'll we'll get on this i can i can reel jade in with the the kate winslet <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> usually i'll be like oh such and such is in it such and such is in it she no. has no idea who oh. they are <laughs> and that's like oh kate winslet's in it she's like oh yeah let's watch that real did it right anyway we'll move it we'll move it along so album of the week this week we've got loopy what you got i am going with our boys over in cold years so i'm going with their debut album which came out last year which is called paradise um I'd heard of them obviously before we had them on the podcast. I wasn't like listening to them all the time or anything, but more and more I've listened to them since we've had them on. It's such an easy album to just flow through. Mm-hmm. Um, back to back good songs. There's not a song on that album that you'd skip, to be honest. And the boys are all sound as fuck. <laughs> they all sound as fuck. Yeah. Why do you helps. like my music? Because your sound is fucked fine. <laughs> Fair reason. <laughs> and they've got a new album coming out at some point soon as well. They've just progressed so much over the years yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. 
they've hit another stride over this past year or two. Yeah, yeah. It's always good to see as well. Like you always like when I played in the gigging scene and stuff in Aberdeen and that, and you'd see like a band and like you could see them progressively moving up and playing like a slightly bigger band on their next um like their next gig or like going down to Glasgow and playing a gig there or whatever. But this is like one of the only bands I've probably seen come from the scene around here and, and keep just progressing constantly going uphill. Yeah. Which is awesome to see. Awesome. Right. Last but not least, restaurant of the week. We've got you, Keith. We got uh, so this week I'm going with Cup, um, located just off Belmont Street. Um, it's a nice wee place. It's actually one of my friends' stepmoms that owns it. Um, the stuff they do in there is incredible. And um, they do like amazing breakfast foods. They do like tapas in the evenings and stuff, which is all brilliant. Um, foods unreal, like unreal. Have any of you guys been there before? Is it the one that is across? Like so, Cross if you were facing Slains, yeah, if you're yeah, facing yeah. Slains, is it on the left or the right? Uh, it's on the. If you're facing Slains, it'd be behind you. Or if you're no, if like you're if facing you're on the, the front door of Slains, so it'd be on the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've not been that one. It's the one on the oh, other no, side. Oh, they do no, 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 it's not that one. It's it's the other street. It's the next street. Sorry, I've got the, the one the same. Up. The one with the pizza shop on it. Yes, it's just all Belmont Street. Either way, I, I never know which street is, but I always just walk to it. Um, but no, they do unreal things. In fact, I've not been in there for breakfast in a wee while, but they, one of my pals um, popped up a wee Instagram thing and they do like, you know, those like things you get for high teas and stuff that have like got the stacks of like cakes and sandwiches yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. They do a breakfast version. There's like pancakes around the bottom so you can get like bananas and maple syrup or whatever on the pancakes and then on the next level there's like mini like bacon rolls egg rolls and then on the top there's like granola and yogurts and all that Keep sort of stuff it. like it, it just oh, it looks it looks incredible the bus, i just it looks so good and they've got a three stacked bit of pancakes with some maple syrup whipped cream strawberries banana and some fucking biscoff and shit crumbled on top yeah and like, oh well, it's, it is it is good food like really good food it's definitely worth a visit you sold it pretty well there, Keith. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go like, so sure you, well. bo- you had me at pancakes on the bottom of the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> when it starts with pancakes, it keeps pancakes. going up. It's never a bad thing. <laughs> right, anyway, I think that rounds us off today. Um, we'll catch you all for episode 18 when we'll be sitting down with Robbie Mitchell. We'll love yous and leave yous. Catch you later. Bye! Bye.